Hello, hello, and welcome to Orbiting the Ghost Planet. I'm Nick. I'm Joe. And this is an episode-by-episode Space Ghost Coast to Coast discussion podcast. This week, we sat down to watch the commentary tracks of Girly Show and Fire Drill. How's everybody doing? I hope you're having a good new year so far. This is our first recording of 2016. Woohoo! Uh, has anything exciting happened around here? Uh, no, this year's been pretty depressing so far. You're right. So let's uh, <laughs> move right into the episode. Yeah. Uh, you remember from in between seasons one and two when we took a little break to give our impressions of the commentary tracks on the season one episodes. Yep. We thought we'd do it again for season two, but instead of doing an episode for each episode, uh, we just sort of grouped them together. We're doing, uh, there were only two commentaries available for this season, so we just sort of watched them together and we're going to cramp it all together. Yeah. Got to... The Krampus visited us, and he said, <laughs> these two shall be one. I, that's what the Krampus does, right? He cramps things together? Uh, yeah, sure. Does he use cramps? That's a carpentry joke. I got it. Good. <laughs> Face. <laughs> it looks like what you got it, and it hurt, and it left a scar on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, girly show. His commentary track had Keith Crawford, Evan Dorkin, and Sarah Dyer. Yep. I'm trying to remember if Evan and Sarah were on any of the commentaries from the first season. I want to say they were. Yeah. But I might just be making that up. It's always hard to tell. Like, I've listened to the commentary tracks themselves so many times, (laughs) just over and over again. I don't know what order they are in with each other. Yeah. You could talk about... uh, you know, whether you're watching them in air order or on DVD order or just... Yeah, and I'm not familiar enough with the series to be able to tell you who was on what commentary track. Yeah. Never mind the fact that they totally make references in this commentary track to episodes that we have not seen yet as we were watching <laughs> them in order. Like, they're they're often making references to, like, oh, season four and six. Mm-hmm. Oof. I don't know if that's specifically, but somewhere later on. I really enjoy... When Evan is doing a commentary, I love hearing that guy talk. He comes right off the bat in this episode talking about, like, he's so sure that he's going to say something that's going to get him fired. <laughs> Just, he knows <laughs> the kind of attitude he has. He's like, no, but yeah, this I'm going to get myself in trouble. Let's go for it. <laughs> that seems to be his whole thing. Um, yeah, he, he and Sarah sound like they'd be cool people to hang out with. Yeah. What's kind of interesting to note is that they, you know, specifically say that this was an episode r- conceived of and written after all of the interviews were already done, which I think this is the show did a very good job of incorporating the interviews in that case because yeah, it, it's it's hard to tell that it flows pretty well. It, it flows really well. Um, and uh, just as a reminder, it's Fran Drescher, Carol Channing, and Alice Cooper mm-hmm. for the girly show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a gag. Uh, also explicitly stated. Mm-hmm. Um. But you can tell that there's not a lot of interplay between the guests, and you know they're all very separate things. But that's fine, yeah, uh, because they all go well, and there's sort of like a good pacing to the show. Uh, there, there actually is a little carryover between Space Ghost attitude changes coming out of uh, Fran Drescher's interview and going into Carol Channing's because he's yeah. sort of depressed, and Channing turns him around. So it, it's really a, a tribute to like they did good with this one yeah. you know sometimes you can tell sometimes it seems like they did a bad job when really it actually kind of 
was more natural than it appeared. Yeah. And sometimes it goes backwards. But uh, this is one case where it really worked. Like, I would not have guessed that they were all, like, completed interviews ahead of time. Yeah. Go- going into this episode. At one point, they were commenting on how, uh, well, right at the beginning when Space Ghost uh, voips in, um, how in the original show, like, he, that power is just that he goes invisible, mm-hmm. but they use it as, like, teleporting onto the stage and stuff. I mean, you could sort of argue that he's still going invisible and then traveling around oh, yeah. before invisiting in. Yeah. But, yeah, no, they're just like, well, we need to get him over there. Here's a way to make it happen quick. Yeah. Uh, Cheap animation style. <laughs> yeah. No, he definitely, uh, they definitely bring it up at that point. Uh, or they bring it up at some point that even they're amazed that if you go back and look at the original Hanna-Barbera cartoons, mm-hmm. nothing there moves any more than the yeah. current ones. The company policy of don't nobody move i that's honestly of what i've seen of Hanna barbera cartoons that's always struck me about the animation and there's a lot of like standing like especially mostly i'm thinking of scooby-doo just because that's the one i think i've seen the most of yeah but like there's a lot of like just standing around talking where like just the heads are moving yeah. Or it's like run cycles. Yeah, and like very <laughs> short run cycles and every like all yeah. five people of the group are on screen at once right. in the exact same sync of the cycle. Yeah, and they're just just slide the background behind them kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean there was a point where Hannah Barbera was doing like maybe working on like four or five shows at a time. <laughs> like they were a major animation force yeah. uh, in in their day. I want to say in maybe the 70s and 80s. I got to double check my timeline on that. But at some point, they hit, like, well, we got Scooby-Doo and we got Yogi Bear, so now we have money forever, so let's just keep turning <laughs> stuff out. And, you know, if you want to be able to get a lot of stuff out and not break the bank on everything, yeah. you kind of got to cut the corners you got. Yeah, but they cut, like, all the corners. <laughs> they cut a lot of corners. Uh, that is... It's a... certainly efficient. I'll give it that. Yeah. But then that was until the 90s sometime where they said, like, let's focus down on a couple of shows and actually do them a little better. That's when you get Two Super Dogs and SWAT Cats, which is another one I want to go back to and try to get my hands on because that's weird because it's like G.I. Joe for furries <laughs> a little bit. And that's one that I remember really fondly, but that's, they did a really good job with the animation on that. That wasn't like a stock footage rehash kind of show. Um, yeah. Same, uh, pup named Scooby-Doo as well. Speaking of Scooby-Doo, they sort of, <laughs> they sort of amped up their per show budget for uh for that one yeah um but now i've actually been looking to get my hands on a pup named scooby-doo on dvd Mm -hmm. uh just to have it i like artifacts (laughs) uh but also i might pick up wacky races and that's a show right from that era of let's try to make new characters who can each get their own show yeah i remember you mentioning that before (laughs) yeah so that would be right in that era of don't nobody move and Mm -hmm. like i said i have the original uh, Space Ghost on DVD now, and we gotta watch you that. Space Ghost and Dino Boy. Oh boy! For all you Dino Boy fans out there, <laughs> you can get your hands on Dino Boy. I don't don't put your hands on Dino Boy. It's probably illegal. That's true. <laughs> they also mentioned the uh, the drinking game of just pick a piece of yes. animation and drink every time that it comes on screen. Uh, there are somewhere I'm, I'm trying to remember where there was a fan created drinking game mm-hmm. which was based more on take a drink every time 
certain occurrences had a an amount you had to drink for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I believe it was five drinks any time a member of the Council of Doom appears. Yeah. Uh, but I really like. Yeah, no, everybody has their own piece of animation, <laughs> which. I feel like I could cheat at because you want to know what mine is. <laughs> Space Ghost eats chocolate ice cream. Uh-huh. I believe I that how ap- many times does that show up? I believe that appears twice in the entire run of Space Ghost Ghost <laughs> Ghost. Uh, once in Pavement and once in uh, Flip Mode. I believe those are the two occurrences of eating chocolate ice cream. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have to pay attention to that when we get to those. I will go crazy when we finally get to those. Don't don't you worry about it. We will not miss it. What am, throughout this whole episode, Evan is just sort of throwing shade everywhere around him. <laughs> uh, he, like, when the nanny first gets there, he's throwing shade on a nanny, saying it was a good show until they got Fran Drescher for it. Yeah. Uh, he's going around saying, like, you know, one of his favorite sayings is, oh, yeah, I've got enough money and i got enough change in my pocket to make an episode of Space Coast Coast Coast. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. He's... I don't know if he's like self-deprecating because he's talking about some of the things he's talking about, like stuff that he's worked on, or if he's just—I think he's just trying to—he was just trying to fill air. Uh, yeah, but he's always had that kind of thing where, like, you know, those kids in high school, like in a grade above you, who like are trying to be edgy, but they think that means hating everything. <laughs> but I think he's self-aware that that doesn't actually make him cool. And there's something about that I can appreciate. He's just like, well, I'm doing this anyway because I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but between him and Sarah, uh, specifically, they're talking about with the um, when the show gets very Klugman heavy. Yeah. Uh, he says, you know, they were watching and they they didn't even remember how Klugman heavy the show got or why it got so Klugman heavy. <laughs> uh, and that really kind of sums up the show. Even the people making it didn't know yeah. why it was happening, how it was happening. Uh, and that's uh, it's just sort of a revelation that tickles me. They mentioned that Alice Cooper had a comic book out at the time, and that just in itself is an amusing fact to me. Yeah, I, I'm curious about things like that, or like, uh, I swear we don't see it with comic books so much now, or at least I'm not aware of them. Uh, but there was that little string not too long ago where it was like, Kiss meets Scooby Doo, yeah, and WWE superstars meet the Flintstones. <laughs> so it's not like that stuff has stopped happening. Yeah, um, I mean Scooby Doo meets the Globetrotters is like, but either Scooby Doo and the Globetrotters or Scooby Doo and Don Knotts are like the two. What? Have you never seen that one? No. That is like the classic of like popular actors appearing in cartoons. Wow. I've seen the Globetrotters, but... We'll go look up the Don Knotts one. <laughs> I, I think those might have both been... It was like a, a specific series that brought in a whole bunch of celebrity like cameos or like, you know, celebrity of the week kind of things. Uh, they might have been from the same ones. I don't think it was 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. I think that was the one that had Scrappy-Doo. Listen... There was a lot of different series of Scooby-Doo. Oh, I know that much because it's I remember insane. saying every few years, what, they're making another one? Yeah. And then working at the library, I had to file them all. Yeah. The amazing part is that it's still happening. Like, they're yeah. still making news. At least now they sort of dwindled it down and they just keep making movies every so often. Yeah. And they're not half bad. Yeah. Every time I catch fun. one, I'm like, this is okay. But there yeah. was that one period where they were just like, let's have like four different Scooby-Doo shows at once. <laughs> Mama and Dada do. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Ugh. 
I forget. They might have canonically killed off Scrappy Doo. Like he might just be dead in the Scooby Doo universe. I'm not sure. Well, isn't there like a there's like a statue or something of him? And uh... did they? F- <laughs> He is the statue. They froze him in carbonite, like Han Solo. Oh, I don't know. I'm asking just because, like, I might have been like on Tumblr or something, but it was just um, like a statue of him, and it looked like a like a great bird statue or something. Listen, but they're like, no, we don't speak of him. I don't know nothing about no Scrappy Doo. I just know that, like, like if you told me that that we were putting on a pay per view match and it was Scrappy Doo versus Droopy Dog. Like, man, that's like an even fight because they're both like foot and a half nothing. And how can you have foot and a half nothing? The half is not nothing. <laughs> I'm bad at math. <laughs> but also just like my money's on. I don't know who would actually win because you want to know. Here's the thing about Scrappy-Doo. Mm-hmm. He's Scrappy. Yeah. Here's the thing about Droopy. He's Droopy. He's seen some shit. <laughs> He's done some dirt in his day. <sighs> what are we talking about? There's also a point where they mention about uh, Fran Drescher curses in her interview, and they have to bleep it out. Yeah. And th- this is, again, where you know the commentaries were, were recorded almost a decade after these shows were aired. Like, yeah. never mind about how far removed we are <laughs> in rewatching and discussing it. Uh, but they just talk about, like, yeah, no, at the time, we had to, you know, we basically couldn't curse. And then by the time we get to the Adult Swim era, it gets dopey. It just gets silly. Zorak plants a flag in a very unflattering position, uh, and we will cover that at another time. But uh, yeah, it, it's—I I don't know—it's—it it is a thing. Like Space Ghost goes a long way, and the nature of what it's capable of and allowed to do, and the position it fills, kind of changes a bunch over time. Yeah, and it's like being allowed to curse on the Cartoon Network changing is like a weird. Kind of like a social cue, maybe, to something about the times, yeah. how long it existed for. I'm just rambling now. Mm-hmm. Um, they also talk about specifically uh, how Carol Channing was a really, really good interview because she was game and just like fun and seemed to be having a good time while she was there. Yeah. And Alice Cooper was a bad interview because he was pushing that comic book that he was working on. Yeah. And like they were given a list of specific questions to ask of him, <laughs> and that's. That's terrible. I know. That's always, like, on the one hand, I understand why they do that. But on the other hand, it's just awful because, like, it's just then everyone gives the same interview. Yeah. Like, it's kind of cool. But, like, with, with every company, publisher, everything having its own, like, YouTube channel at this point. Yeah. And you just get to think, of, like, well, instead of going around and doing the interview circuit, we're just going to put out our video, which has all of the allowance, yeah. the answers that we would allow people to give anyway. It's just like, all right, I guess that's where we come to. Because, um, you know, saying we're going out for an interview and then basically just telling you what the interview is going to be when we get there is really yeah. gross. And I, there's something, there's like a, a shared spirit. You know, that I feel that's gross, and clearly they felt it was gross mm-hmm. because they didn't use any of the questions or answers <laughs> that I'm sure were on that list. Because yeah. without the commentary, you had no idea that there was a comic book that, that spurned on this interview. Spurned mm-hmm. on? That's right, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's. They, again, they were sort of disrespectful to the guest, unkind. Mm-hmm. They were doing what they wanted to do, even though they had no idea what they were doing mm-hmm. or why they were doing it. Oh, and then the last thing is uh, the diddly squat can. Yeah. 
even then they were all impressed by the diddly squad. Everyone <laughs> got a good laugh about that. Just go like, oh, look at this. Ah! Little piece of original art. Yeah, not even a new piece of animation. A new piece <laughs> of art that just sort of swooshes onto screen. Yeah. Oh, I love the diddly squat too. I should I should print out a, a label and put it on a can <laughs> and just leave it on my desk and just diddly squat. Put it on a mug. Oh, that'd be pretty good. Ooh. So then we move on to fire drill. Mm-hmm. Uh, this commentary track had a big old cast of creators on it. We have Keith Crawford, uh, who was on the previous one, George Lowe, who is the voice of Space Ghost, uh, Mike Lazo and Matt Malero, who are producers on the show, uh, and eventually went on to kind of uh, produce and, and work on a lot of other shows on the Adult Swim block era, Aqua Teen and Brack Show and 12-Ounce Mouse, <laughs> Squidbillies. <laughs> Uh, and then Mike Cahill uh, rounds out the cast. Uh, he was an editor for a number of episodes. So I'm really happy anytime Mike Cahill is on an interview on a commentary track. Uh, yeah, hearing about editing stuff is always really interesting. Yeah, like like I'm already like uh, editing minded, mm-hmm. but he, you know, they especially go into about how he would specifically try and pick out all of the awkward moments in conversation yeah. and in the, the recording for Space Ghost and the rest of the cast and just try to make it awkward. You know, he, he how has he said? Try to rough up the edges. The TV is too clean. <laughs> just like, oh, you were trying to make it feel a little gross. You were trying to, you were trying to do that. This weird space, this, this emptiness, this, uh, the intentional unprofessionalism. Like that's like, explicitly and knowingly intentional. Yeah. Um, which I think is like an interesting thing in its own way. But then these guys are like doing other things. Like uh, at one point, Malero mentions that the show is very Dada, mm-hmm. which Hemingway and Dadaism. Okay. <laughs> uh, sure. Go ahead and drop that. I don't know if he was like, it's weird because it's like at a certain point, you get smart enough to know about those things. Mm-hmm. And then if you get just a little bit smarter, you can realize how pretentious it sounds to drop those things. Mm -hmm. But then if you're that smart, then maybe you could take it to the next level of just be like, no, the gag is how pretentious I'm going to sound when I drop it. I know that and I'm doing it intentionally. That's why I love and hate these guys. (laughs) Because they're the worst, Mm -hmm. but they know they're the worst. It's it's really a crazy crew with these guys together. Like I I believe uh, in later episodes... We're going to hear the same group uh, doing commentaries for other episodes. Mm-hmm. Clearly, later on in the day, after they have begun, after they have begun drinking during a recording <laughs> session, oh boy, those get entertaining and are probably <laughs> my favorite commentaries. Yes, I have favorite commentary tracks from Space Coast. <laughs> um, but but yeah, just like they kind of go nuts. They're they're ripping on each other. They're they're ripping on, you know, the way that they did it back in the day. The whole thing about they have this long extended riff where George Lowe makes up the backstory as to how he created the voice for Zorak, yeah. which uh Malero is playing heavy guitar underneath the entire time, so clearly everyone in the room couldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. So he asks him to repeat it again and then he starts with a completely different story. Yeah. Just like these guys are nuts. Like you can, you can tell. Like this is the sense of humor that went on behind the show, that went on in in the writing rooms and in the edits and and just all around it. Mm-hmm. And it 
a different sense of humor comes across because it hit this, you know, it hit Cahill and, and uh, I believe Tom Roach was another editor. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it hit the editors, they just went weird with it and did interesting <laughs> things. And sometimes, you know, these were, you know. It's like a game of telephone, but with a style of humor. So it ends yeah, up going absolutely. through a couple different filters. And like, I love the places where it starts and I love where it ends up. And I, I actually want to look now. Um, I'm surprised I haven't done this already, but I would like to see if there is like music that Cahill ever uh, worked on. Because mm. uh, they were talking about how he was a drummer and there's just a sense of like, you know, he doesn't think anybody would listen to his music if he wrote it because it would be awkward and filled with pauses and beats, just like the show. <laughs> but I would be totally into that. Uh, I like I like me some gross music. You know? And like they knew. They knew where they were going because, you know, think about the Sonny Chirac and the music for the opening of the show. Yeah. It's this noise. It's awkward. It's sort of cacophonous. But it's lively and it you know it fits the tone of the show as it comes through and it's like like it's it celebrates in its own mess Mm -hmm. and like the music matches that and it reflects sort of the the attitudes that went on behind it and the uh it's it's weird like they say they don't know what they're doing and that's why the show is a mess overall Mm -hmm. but at the same time that's what gives it its character yeah they knew that they didn't know what they were doing, and they knew they were making a mess. Yeah, and they did a just ver- had fun with it. <laughs> yeah, they they like they were very resolute on creating something that they barely had control of. <laughs> it was it's this weird. I don't, it's not even a conflict of interest. It's just like it's like a controlled chaos almost. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a it's a decisive release of control in order to give in to chaos. I don't know. Maybe I'm building it up too much, but I really <laughs> dig it. And yeah, just like, like this episode doesn't have a, a lot that goes into sort of like the behind the scenes of the show. Cause mm-hmm. they're just ripping with each other so much. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, it, it was in the previous episode that Dorkin actually said that he felt like they were doing an MST thing, ripping on their own show. Yeah. But I think these guys were even stronger into that just cause they were <laughs> riffing more aggressively. Yeah. Um, although they did, so they did go into at the beginning of the episode. This is the one where Space Ghost starts out uh, talking about he sent out uh, massive Christmas baskets and never got a thank you note for them. Yeah. So they talk about how that was just uh, George riffing in the studio, just laying it out and actually complaining about something he <laughs> actually did and just threw it into the show. And everybody was like, who did that? Who did that? It was the editors. They go after the awkward parts. They're just like, no, let's make this messier. Just like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, brave. There's a certain bravery to mm-hmm. how just. <laughs> they were also talking about how um, George Lowe's voicing for Space Ghost in this episode was a lot more like less like superhero posing sounding and it was more just casual and like like just like a dude talking yes well so they talked uh just as a refresher this is the episode with david byrne and donny osmond uh and so we do get a little bit into that uh george actually did the interviews uh he did the interview with david byrne 
over the phone, which is kind of interesting, and I'm sure added to the awkwardness of what they say <laughs> was already an awkward thing to begin with, because yeah. he was an awkward man, which means he was perfect for the show, and he was. <laughs> um, but also, they, they go into a little bit about how uh, it sounds like George Lowe and Donny Osmond had done some other work together in, in radio and in, just on other projects. Yeah. So there must have been... If if he was doing that interview too, there must have already been sort of a camaraderie there. So if they were more casual in the edit, mm-hmm. or if they were more casual in the interview, then that would lead to a, a more casual show on the other side of it. Um, and yeah, it it's that's the thing. It, it starts becoming more casual. Like they're starting to sound more like people rather than wind up toys. Yeah, it's like it, it it really does start to show through here. Like they're and knowing what we're going into for the next season, where they sort of. It's like they started knowing what the Space Ghost character was. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, okay, but we need to ease up so they start sounding like believable people. And then they start going into, okay, but now we need to turn him into caricatures of people so that he can be <laughs> cartoons and do wacky things again. And that's what we're going to see in the next season a bit, mm-hmm. I think. The other thing that you may remember from this episode, which I think everyone remembers from this episode, is Behold the Wooly Panda. <laughs> Uh, which is great because somehow that's like one of the iconic coast to coast moments. Uh, and again, in in the the commentary, everyone sort of stops to appreciate that moment. Mm-hmm. They love it, maybe even more so than the Diddly Squat. Just like these little things that stand out, and just apparently they hold up over time, even to the people who have seen them a thousand times when they were working on them. Yeah, and then forgot about because they didn't work on the show for eight years, or at least. Have been working on other stuff for eight years. Uh, it, it's I I don't know. There's something about that that stands up. And they do talk about how uh, it's the voice of Jim Rich, who was doing other announcing work uh, for them around the station at the time. And the panda itself is just a clip that they pulled from some CNN B-roll because mm-hmm. CNN was Turner's uh, you know news channel, 24-hour news, and so they could just go down to the library and say like, Hey, what did you film? Zoo? Yeah, give me that. All right, here's a pen. I can work with this. Thanks. But, like, you just pull stuff. They just pulled stuff, but they managed to pull just the right stuff that it's still some of the best nonsense to come out of that show. Yeah. Exquisite nonsense. That's like the Space Ghost tagline. If I were writing the copy. (laughs) I think the last thing in this episode is about... They mentioned that Donny Osmond wasn't happy to be there mm. uh, and that he wasn't really happy to be anywhere. He didn't even like being on the radio. <laughs> uh, and somehow that helped the interview because it did add that sort of confrontational aspect. Yeah. Um, I think that's just kind of great. Because Donny Osmond is very charismatic. And, you know, even if he's actually grumpy, he's got a face that can light up your face because he mm-hmm. just seems like, oh, hey, I'm here. Let's do this. Yeah, man. Um, he's very charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, charm almost to the point of being enchanting. <laughs> but to know that just like he was there and he was being a grump and still going to be like that, that's, I don't know, there's like a certain whimsy to that. Yeah. Of just like, yeah, no, it's it's like in Roger Rabbit, the, in the opening scene where they're doing the Roger Rabbit cartoon and you got the baby who's playing baby face and then as soon as they shout cut, he pulls out a cigarette and yeah. has the gruffest voice. It's kind of like that. That's, <laughs> That was a good gag, and Donny Osmond has the same gag, I guess, is what I'm saying. Donny Osmond is a giant cigar-smoking baby. I think that's what I just said. <laughs> oh, no. I think that's going to do it. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good to me. 
So are we going to jump right into season three, or do we got other stuff to watch first? We have one more piece of context for the show and the season that we need to deal with before we begin in proper with the next season. We will deal with that on the next episode, and I hope that you will join us once again when that time comes as we watch another episode of Space Ghost Coast to Coast or something and complete another orbit around the ghost planet. You have been listening to Orbiting the Ghost Planet, an Aliku Studios podcast network production. You can visit the show page at alikustudios.net slash podcast slash ghost planet. There you can find the rest of our episodes, the RSS feed for the show, and links to our Facebook page where you can talk about this and all the other Aliku Studios shows. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, you can help us by leaving a quick review and rating. Please visit alikustudios.net to learn more about us and what we do. That's O-L-E-E-T-K-U.